Hi, this is Matt Shaw, pastor at City Lift Church. If you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love for you to come visit us on a Sunday sometime or join us online, citylift.church. We hope today's message fills you with courage and helps you on your spiritual journey. We exist just to help people meet, know, and follow Jesus. Enjoy today's message. What's up, everybody? Good morning. Why don't you look at your name and be like, you look a lot better after that worship set. Come on. That was fire. You made 30 minutes feel like five, girl. That was fire today. I was like, all right, cancel everything else. We're just going to sing the rest of the day. That was that was beautiful. That was beautiful. Uh, well, hey, we're excited. Welcome. If this is your first time here, uh, great to have you here. We planted late 2018, and we went through a little thing called COVID, found ourselves downtown. We've been going for about a year. Our birthday is next week. Okay, everybody say next week, and we are excited about our third birthday. we just a three-year-old toddler right now, okay? And and, and our church is a lot of fun. It's full of a lot of great people, and we're very, very grateful. We are in a series right now on faith called Mountain Movers, and we've been teaching and preaching on faith, the journey of faith, what we go through through faith. And today we're wrapping it up, and I am really excited for today's word. I hope you take some notes. I hope you open up your ears and your hearts and receive uh, this, this word today, because I really feel like I'm going to set some people free uh, and what you go through in the wait, okay? And so I'm very excited to preach today's word. We are going to start with Hebrews chapter 11. You can throw it up for me on the screen here. Again, my name is Matt. If you don't know me, uh, it's great to meet you. This is my lovely wife, Alyssa, looking cute today. What's up, boo? We got four kids. Uh, we had twins this last year, so we believe in Jesus and coffee. Come on, somebody. And uh, hey, we're grateful just to be alive after, after the, the twin tornado. We, get, we need like an official 2020 title for them. Anyway, it, it's, it is crazy. It's awesome being a parent. Uh, let's look to God's word. I'm going to read out of the message today. Uh, just because I like the way it says a few things. Uh, and this, we're going to read a couple portions from Hebrews 11, uh, first, first few verses, 1 through 6, and then we're going to jump uh, toward the end of that chapter and finish it up, okay? So if you've got uh, your Bible app, if you don't have the Bible app, you should download it. It's amazing. Uh, it will help you. If you've got an old school Bible and you still believe in paper, you can follow along with us there. But we're going we're gonna to jump into God's Word this morning. Hebrews chapter 11, teaching on faith. This is, this is what the writer of Hebrews says. The fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see. I like that. I, I like that. It's our handle on what we can't see. The act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors and set them above the crowd. By faith, we see the world called into existence by God's word, what we see created by what we don't see. By an act of faith, Abel brought a better sacrifice to God than, than Cain. It was what he believed, not what he brought that made the difference. That's what God noticed and approved as, as righteous. After all these centuries, that belief continues to catch our notice. By an act of faith, Enoch skipped death completely. They looked all over and couldn't find him because God had taken him away. We know that on the basis of reliable testament, before he was taken, he pleased God. It's impossible to please God apart from from faith. And why? Because anyone who wants to approach God, listen to this, must believe both that he exists and that he cares enough to respond to those who seek him. Wow, what a great, great word. Let's jump down to verse 32 now. And, and in between, he's talking about Noah, right? Abraham, Sarah, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Moses' parents, Rahab. I mean, he's just mentioning all these saints and, and these like really champions of faith. 
And then in verse 32, he says, I could go on and on, right? He goes, he goes, there's Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, the prophets. Through acts of faith, they toppled kingdoms, made justice work, took promises for themselves. They were protected from lions, fires, swords, turned disadvantage to advantage, won battles, routed armies. Women received their loved ones back from the dead. There were those who, under torture, refused to give in and go free, preferring something better, resurrection. Others braved abuse and whips and, yes, chains and dungeons. We have stories of animal skins, homeless, friendless, powerless. The world didn't deserve them, making their way as best they could on the cruel edges of the world. Not one of these people, even though their lives of faith were exemplary, got their hands on what was promised. God had a better plan for us that their faith and our faith would come together to make one completed whole. Their lives of faith not complete apart from ours. Wow, what a good, what a good word this morning. A few statements on faith before I continue, just so I can clarify for us again. Faith is not making God do what I want. It's receiving what he wants. So faith is, is not me twisting God's arm. Faith is me leaning into what his arm is providing. God is a father. He's not a genie, right? So, so he, he, you don't go in and you punch some numbers and, and you get, you know, like that. But, but he, is a, he is a father. There's this living, wonderful, breathing relationship. Um, faith begins where God's will is known. Right? And, and why do we find God's will? Will we find it in his word? If you come up to me and said, yo, pastor, I'm believing to marry that woman, but she already married. Come on, somebody, that ain't God's will for your life. Okay, let me, let me help a few people out this morning, okay? Like, and so how do we know what to believe for? That's, that's God's word. We, we, we read his, his word. Faith, its, it's roots grows deep in to the revelation of, of God's soil and his word. And even faith comes by hearing and hearing by the by the word, right? It, the Bible says it doesn't take a lot of faith. It says that a small amount, a mustard seed of faith can move mountains or the largest physical obstacle. It, it apparently is potent, powerful, atomic stuff. Faith is extremely powerful. It, it doesn't take a lot to move the biggest obstacles. Everything God does in our life is initiated by grace and received by faith. The way that God works with humans, he can't work with us just in justice, can he? If he worked with us only in justice, none of us would make it. If he worked with us with works, none of us would make it. None of us would qualify. None of us are perfect enough and can work enough to earn the love and the acceptance in heaven. So what does God do? He's totally holy and perfect, and he's 100% love. What does a God like this do? He gives this wild thing called grace, unmerited favor on our lives. Not based on what you've done, but what, on based on what Christ has done for you. And then he hides your life in God, in Christ, and blesses you and does things in your life accordingly. You ever looked at a new believer and you're like, boy, they're not righteous, they're ratchet as can be. How is God blessing them? How could they get that new job? It's called grace. Honey, and you don't deserve it either. I, I think what's funny for us believers, we get saved for a while, get a few things together, and we look back and be like, can you believe what they do? You used to do that too 10 years ago. They just, you just got 10 years of grace working in your heart, transforming you a little bit. We forget what it's like, right, to be a sinner and be a new believer, man. When I first came in the kingdom, I was a hot mess. 
I need discipleship and counseling and then some. You know, it took time to get certain things figured out. Everything God does in our life is by grace, initiated by grace, and received by faith. Faith will see what God is throwing. Faith receives what God throws and what, what he wants to give. Will Smith, which is one of my favorite actors ever, is playing um, Richard Williams in an upcoming movie called King Richard. And it's about Venus and Serena Williams. And one of the, the I did a little research on this movie in the backstory. What I found so fascinating is before Venus and Serena were ever born, uh, Mr. Richard Williams had a 78-page plan prepared for their lives on how he was going to make them tennis stars. <laughs> Can you imagine? You know, and, and the interviewer asked him, they said, when did you know? Like, I mean, you know, awesome on the plan and everything, but when did you know that they were going to be tennis stars? And he looked at the interviewer and he said, the moment I held them in my hands, I knew they were going to be stars. He saw it in here before everyone else witnessed it out there. This is how faith works. Faith sees in here from God's word before it ever holds it out here. I have a little illustration, love, if you can pass me this glove. Imagine faith is a baseball glove, and it enables me to, to receive, right? Like a glove enables me, it empowers me to receive a, a baseball thrown at me, right? And so, so faith is like this glove in a sense. And imagine a game of catch with your father. If you've ever played a catch with your dad or softball with your dad, uh, I know my wife Alyssa did. Her, her dad loves baseball and softball. And when she was just a little kid, like what, six, seven, eight, he's like chucking the softball at her, right? And he's like, come on, you throw like a girl. And I, her dad is so competitive. If you know her dad, he's a wonderful man and he's extremely competitive. And even as like a four year old, he would never let them win, <laughs> which I love that. It's just great parenting, right? And, and so. So, so imagine a game of catch with your dad, and, and here's something that God does consistently throughout the Bible. God announces before he ever throws. This is something you need to know about your father. He announces before he throws. He's doing this consistently throughout the Bible. He'll talk at first, and then he'll actually, he'll actually do it. And when you first get saved, what I've realized is God will throw you a few baseballs pretty fast. You know, hey, I love you. And the next Sunday you're in church and you feel God's presence. You're like, oh, he loves me. Like, I, can't, I caught it. You know, like, I receive it. I feel it for the first time in my life. And, you know, God will help you, you know, get over a few things really fast. You know, and so now you're playing this game of, of catch with your dad. He's like, hey, I'm throwing a baseball. And you're like, yes, I, I got it. I'm ready. Thank you. And then God does something that I don't like at all. But he does this. He announces that he's going to throw you the next baseball. And you're like, yo, I'm ready. I got it. I've caught the last five, Father. Like, I'm ready for this one, too. And then an hour goes by. <laughs> Nothing happens. Yo, I'm ready. I'm, I'm loving this game of catch. You the man. A day will go by. No ball. A week later, Father, you still there? You told me you're throwing the ball. I need a shower. <laughs> no ball. In a game of catch with your dad, how long would you wait? 
After 30 seconds, you'd be like, all right, forget this, you know, like throw this glove away, Dad. God will make you wait. See, God announced to Abraham, I'm, I'm throwing you a blessing. I'm going to turn you into a great nation, giving you a son from your own body. All right, Father, let's play catch. I'm ready to receive. 25 years went by before he caught what God said he was going to throw. Well, that's not cool. See, now everybody's silent now. They're like, oh, God, 25 years before I meet the man of my dreams, Jesus. No, I quit. I quit. I'm throwing the glove away right now. Like, oh, my God, you know. Joseph got a dream, right? You're going to be ahead. Everybody going to be looking at you. You're the leader. You're the man. Father, thank you, right? Like, thank you. I want that, right? 13 years thrown into the pit, Potiphar unjustly charged, the prison, gives a prophetic word in prison, forgotten for more time. Father, I'm ready to be the leader. We're playing catch. I love you. 13 years before he goes from the pit to Pharaoh. And then it was more time before his brothers actually showed up and they got reconciled and he caught what God said he was going to throw as a teenager. David, anointed as king at about 15 years old, most scholars think, somewhere young, teenage years, 13, 14, 15. I'm ready, Father. Let's play catch. I killed the lion and the bear, and now I'm anointed king, and let's go. I love this game. Fifteen years went by. Betrayed. Saul's hunting them down, living in caves. You see, we read the stories, but this is their life. When you're in a cave getting hunted by the king, you don't know if you're going to make it or not. Father, I want to receive the ball, but I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm 15 years. He was 30 when he became became king. Jesus waited 30 years for a three-year ministry. Thank you, Father. I'm here to save everybody. Making tables for 20-plus years for a three-year ministry. I would save everybody. One of my personal favorites is Moses. Moses' story to me is always so fascinating. He grows up in Pharaoh's house. He got all the money, everything, but, but he, he, he knows his people, Israel. He's with them. And so the Bible says that he, he chooses to reject Pharaoh's house because his heart is with his people. One day he sees an Egyptian beating, beating one of his fellow Israelites, and he goes and he kills the man, right? Murder is wrong, but you can understand the emotion and the intensity of that emotion. So in his heart, he wants to set his people free. He feels this thing all over him. It's on him. It's in him. He, he wants them free. Father, let's play catch. Let's do it now. Let's do it now. And he kills the man. He spends the next 40 years of his life wanting to do something, but no ball is being thrown his way. You know, when you want to do something and you can't do it, that's frustrating for six months. That's frustrating for a year, let alone 40 years in the wilderness, herding sheep, wanting the ball. Let's go, Father, what's wrong? And at 80, when it's time to retire and play golf up in Palm Springs, he gets the calling to go set over a million some people free. Wow. 
Two things. In this game of catch, and God announces before he throws, God is either being cruel or he's being kind. If you're playing a game of catch with your dad and your dad ignores you for a week, what's the natural response? My dad don't even like me anymore. Deadbeat dad, you know, like just like throw, didn't throw me no ball for a week. Like watching football, drinking his Miller Lite. What's going on? Like why did he throw me the ball? He's either being cruel or he's being kind. See, God, God understands something. He, he understands that the, watch this, the promise has your attention. But what you actually need isn't the promise. You need the promise, sir. See, the blessing's got you in this position. But you don't need just the blessing. You need the blessor. And as you wait like this, something kind of wild happens. Your focus is on him. Isn't that interesting? God will hook you with what you want. And he'll use even that to get you to fall more in love with him. Oh, that y'all better clap for that because that's good teaching right there. As I wait and as I look, I start realizing, wow, he really is an amazing dad. And, it, and as, I, as I wait, I, I go from this And I realize it's in my waiting that my worship begins. And it says I'm hurting, that, I, that I'm, I'm, I'm looking. you got to be careful because in this position, the enemy of your soul will do two things. And I'm going to be preaching to somebody this morning because this is, this, is, this is real. As you're in this position, the enemy will do two things. He will distract you and he will discourage you. Because you're waiting for that man of God. You're like, oh, he looked good too. Like, you just forget all about the promise, you know? You're like, you're like, he looked good too. <laughs> you know how we be. Come on, dog. Like, look at that Instagram account. He got 15,000 followers and he got abs. Jesus. Jesus. Distract you distract you. You got to learn discipline when it comes to distraction. Only one answer for distraction is discipline. How God going to get you disciplined if he don't let you experience some distraction? Jesus, I can't handle the temptation. I think for some people, God's like, why don't you just grow up a little bit? Like, you, you old enough? Ooh. Okay, I'm going to stop meddling now. I know, I know. The other thing the enemy of your soul will do, he'll discourage you. He'll discourage you. God don't love you. He ain't throwing you that baseball. And that, that's the one that hurts the most, I think. Because that one kind of gets in here a little bit. Right? Why am I still struggling, God? I can't even pay my rent here in freaking South Florida. Like, what's up? Like, you know. I caught an article. We're 40% of our income in rent now. Lord, we need to deliver, right? Like, do something, right? Like, come on. Like, God, why, why don't you throw me a ball? I need something. And the enemy is like, he don't love you. He ain't going to throw you that ball. That's what happened to Abraham, right? Again and again, just something inside him. He's like, well, God ain't going to throw me the ball. I better go do something. I got to sleep with this girl over here. I got to lie about my wife to Pharaoh over here. I got to do this over here. Discouragement. Why? Because, come on, when you want something, you're vulnerable. When you got an emotion for something, you, you, you got a need. You got, you got a vulnerability there. You got a hurt, and the enemy knows that. Here's one thing I can't stand about the devil. He don't play fair. He don't play fair. He'll go after the weakness. 
He'll go after the soft spot. You got a wound, he'll put your finger in it. That's what he does. So what do you got to do? You just got to keep looking and worship him through the discouragement and just keep giving it back to him. Keep giving it back to him. And as time goes on, though, you end up falling more in love with him. There have been a few places in my life God's brought me to where I'm like, God, I don't even want the ball anymore. I just want to look at you. And in the end, honestly, that's what you need. You can get a blessing and forget all about him. And in the end, you're worse than before. You can get the $100,000 raise and forget all about God and wreck your house and everything else. And in the end, you're worse than before. So God's like, you don't just need the ball, you need me. And if I got to hold it so I can get your attention, I'll do that. Fall in love with me. Amen. Can you help me take this glove off? Dear Lord, look. Jeez. You guys enjoy that so far? So faith will see it. Faith will hold it in here before it ever holds it in here. The second thing faith will do, faith will stay with it. Richard Williams, the moment his girls got old enough, man, he taught himself how to play tennis, and he started teaching them. And he said, I didn't know what other people were going to teach them. I knew what I was going to teach them, and so I taught them. I thought, wow, that's profound. He was very careful who influenced his girls. He's like, he just wanted them to be champions from the very beginning. He goes, I don't want doubt up here. I don't want it in here. I'm going to just teach. And, man, you got to respect that family. They stayed with it. Thousands and thousands of hours, right, of practice and hundreds and hundreds of matches and countless, you know, miles to drive. They stayed with it. Faith will see it in here before it holds it in here, and faith will stay with it. You will never be able to receive all that God has for you if you don't have some staying power. You have to stay with it. When you know it's God, it's in his word and something he talked to you about, you got to stay. You got to stay. He's trying to get you to develop. He's trying to get you through the distraction. He's trying to get you through the discouragement. He's working on your weakness. You got to just stay sometimes. That's, that's why Paul said, he goes, he goes, above all else, just stand. You know, the Bible talks about the fight of faith. You know what the fight is? It's just staying in faith. It's just staying in this position sometimes because you want to look around. You want to get distracted. You want to get discouraged and give up, and it's just staying sometimes. Like, God, I'm looking to you still, and sometimes like Job, though he slay me, yet I will worship him. I'm just going to stay. Faith will stay even when it gets hard. You know, in Hebrews 11, let's look at this real quick. I'm gonna get, let me get a little deep for a moment. Bible says that the same people that receive these great promises, it talks about other people that are thrown in jail and cut in half. And yet the Bible says they did that in faith. Whoa, yo, pastor, I thought faith was only for the good stuff. I thought it was for the cute stuff. I, I, I don't want any hard times. Oh, come on, somebody. Faith is for the good stuff. And faith is for the hard stuff. I did a little research. There is an organization called Open Doors. And in 2021, 4,761 Christians have already been martyred for their faith. It's about 13 Christians every single day. And for 15 years, consecutive years, more and more Christian persecution is happening around globally. Nobody in here this morning would say they have weak faith. In fact, I would tell you their faith is greater than my faith. They're going through the hard things. They have great faith. Faith will stay with it even when it's hard. You see, sometimes God will trust you with the promise, and sometimes God will trust you with the pain. We don't like to talk about that part. 
God, God didn't, you know, the Bible, God delivered Peter. He delivered Paul sometimes. Everybody wants the angels showing up, the chains breaking. I've been delivered. But what if God trusts you with the pain? What if he lets you go through that thing? That's what the cross was. You see, to us it's a promise, but to Jesus it was pain. Here's the good news. If God trusts you with the pain, get ready for new life. Because the cross was momentary pain, but that wasn't the end result. That was the empty grave. When God trusts you with the pain, get ready for resurrection. So the Bible says about these believers, they looked past the pain and saw resurrection and said, I'd rather get through the pain and end in resurrection. So when you go through a pain, get ready for something new. So did you go through that divorce? Yes. Get ready for something new. Did you have that terrible breakup? Yes. Get ready for resurrection. Did you, did, you, did you get fired? Yes, but there's a better career path for you. Did they not believe in you? Yes, you don't need them to succeed anyway in what God wants to do in your life. Are you struggling right now in pain? Yes. Does it feel like God's not throwing a ball? Yes. Does it, does it feel discouraging? Yes. Are, are you tempted to be distracted? Yeah. You know, hey, and temptation, man, it, it is distracting, right? It's like, oh, I am tempted. But are you tempted to wait and see what God will do if you'll just stay? Come on, somebody. Like, what, what if I stay? Maybe it, it will. Something is, is something there. If he trusts you with the pain, get ready for something. Get ready for something new. One more thing to go, and I can't believe my time is running out. Faith will settle it in the end. Faith will settle it. Faith will see it. It'll, it'll hold it in here before it holds it out here. Faith will stay with it when no one else says to stay with it. You're like, I'm going to stay with it. I'm going to show up again and again and again. And mature faith understands you got to stay it before you can receive it all. There's no way God will get you to everywhere he wants you to be unless you stay. Right? And I, I feel for our generation. We are just so, e- we're like squirrels. Like we're just so easily distracted by everything. It's like stay, stay, stay. In the end, faith will settle. Yo, Pastor Matt, that preach is great. I love it. It's encouraging. What if you're wrong? What if you're wrong? What if you're wrong about the empty grave and this man named Jesus? What if you're wrong? Well, if I'm wrong, I got to do life with the best people in Fort Lauderdale. All right? I got to do what I love every weekend. I got some principles that help me have the best marriage and the best family. Come on, I got some principles on how to flourish and how to treat people well. I lived a good life, and then in the end, I'm gone. Nothing. I didn't feel it. I didn't miss a beat. What if you're wrong? That's what, that, that's what happens if I'm wrong. What, what if you're wrong? You see, we live in a generation that's so obsessed with being right, we never stop to ask, what if I'm the one that's wrong? We shouting so loud on Twitter, well, what if you're wrong? It's healthy to stop and ask the question, what if I am wrong about this? Oh, my God. Could I be wrong? No, I'm, I'm the one that's wrong. Isn't it a terrible realization when God reveals to you the day that you were wrong about that thing? I hate apologizing to my wife. I don't like being the one that's wrong. It's no fun being the one that's wrong. What if you're wrong? What if Jesus is real? What if the grave is empty? What if heaven is there? Woo, it's worth considering. That's a heavy thing to miss. I ain't the crispiest chip in the bag, but I've experienced enough with Jesus to believe in this man. Can I just give it? Can you just give Jesus three seconds of praise if you believe there's something to this man named Jesus? Because you know you weren't supposed to make it. You know you couldn't have gotten through that pain. You felt his presence. You know there's something.
I don't have all the answers, but there is something to this man named Jesus. I've seen him do enough that I'm like, I'm staying with you. Because everybody out there crazy. <laughs> I'm staying. I'm staying with you. In the end, faith, faith will settle it. Sounds like the children's ministry lost something up there. <laughs> life isn't always good, but Jesus is. Even when life is hell, his presence is heaven. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. This is our Jesus. He's just good. And in the end, there won't be any more debating. There won't be any more arguing on social media. Jesus will settle it. Come on. Learn to let God defend you sometimes. You know, when you trust God to defend, you don't have to defend yourself all the time. Let them think that about you. It's okay. In the end, faith will settle it. Let me pray for you this morning. Heavenly Father, love you so much. Lord, what a beautiful day today has been. We've just been talking about your goodness, your faithfulness. And, Lord, we, your people, we want to hear from you. And, Lord, we understand that you do make us wait sometimes. And it's never fun in the waiting, but I pray that we can develop worship in the waiting. Lord, help us, those of us to get distracted, help us. Lord, those of us that get discouraged, help us, because I'm willing to bet we're all waiting for something. There's a ball you're trying to throw all of us, and we're, we're all got our hands reached out, and we're like, why, Father? Why has it got to be like this? But, Lord, you are good. Even when life isn't good, we trust you. Even when we don't know all the answers, hey, we can still stand. We can stay because there's something to this. With all eyes closed for a moment longer, hey, if you're in here and you don't know Jesus is your Lord and Savior, or if you want to say, yo, Pastor Matt, I just want to, I just want to kind of recommit my life. This message hit me. Would you just lift your hand really quick? I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to make sure we're all good here this morning before I close. All right, looks like we are, and that's okay. That's awesome. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. It's a beautiful day. Thanks for your presence, Jesus. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. Share with a few friends. Thanks for helping us make Jesus famous right here in South Florida. Again, if you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love to see you sometime. Or as always, visit us online, citylift.com. Church. Have an amazing week.